0: Welcome to the Podglomerate.
1: Hello and welcome to Plus 7 Intelligence, the show about how games impact people. My name is Chess. Today, I have a new interview for you. Well, the interview is actually a few months ago, but it will be new for you. Uh, It's not Season 2, you'll still have to wait a bit for that. This is an interview with Dan Machado. He is one of the creators of the board game Gravity Warfare, which will be on Kickstarter soon. That's why, even though this interview was recorded a while back, you are listening to it now. The Kickstarter is starting April 18th, that's 2018, after a bit of a delay. And I'm happy that it's moving forward and that I can get this episode out to you all. I've never seen a game quite like Gravity Warfare, and the story of how it came to be is equally unique. A special feature for this episode is that I have a transcription of the interview available on the website. So if you go to plus7intelligence.com and then find episode 21, you'll see the normal place that you can listen to the episode, and you'll also see an additional audio player that has an auto-scrolling transcript of the interview uh, that goes along with it. So let's have a listen. All right, I'm here with Dan Machado. He is one of the creators of the game Gravity Warfare, which is a unique dexterity board game. And the Kickstarter for this game will be live about the time this episode goes out. So look forward to that soon. Uh, So thanks for coming on the show, Dan.
0: All right, hey, thank you for having me. How are you guys doing?
1: So I've played this game... Uh, a couple times I actually played it at a a local uh gaming pub and when we were playing this game we had probably half a dozen people come over to our table and ask us about this game because they saw hmm. it and they were just so curious about it. Describe what makes this game so visually interesting. What what is so unique about it uh, uh at first glance?
0: Okay, yeah, yeah, I saw the uh the pictures on social media. You look pretty happy playing our game. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. uh, what makes the game uh, pretty unique uh, compared to other games is the balancing mechanic um, although there are other games over there that have a balancing platform ours is unique in that it never falls um, We but uh, we had to patent it to be able to bring it out because it turns out uh, nobody had done that before and we developed a, a game based on that mechanic or that principle so we have a platform or a board that you can play your pieces on and the board will tip over or um, Become off balance, but it'll eventually turn and go back to the balancing position. I think that's what makes um, people really uh, mystified with the game every event that we go to our presentation involves, you know Introducing the game saying hey, my name is Dan. Uh, We're gonna play uh, gravity warfare a, a dexterity game that involves some strategy and I like to tip the board all the way down so it touches the the base almost um, completely vertical and I just let it go and people are like, oh my god, that's not falling. And that's uh, that's pretty incredible.
1: So kind of to paint a picture for the people who haven't seen it, uh, the board is kind of like a, a C shape, kind of a wide C shape and then it has... A little piece in the middle that juts out that sits on top of a little spire and that's what it balances around that one point it's like those little toys when you're a kid with the eagle they might be like an eagle shape or whatever that they have their wings flying forward and you can balance the whole thing on the tip of your finger and spin it around and tilt it and it's perfectly balanced it's a really cool design because it also balances pretty high up so from a distance you see this really cool balancing board that It is sometimes spinning and tilting. It's a very unique just look for a game, and then that plays into how the game is played. So can you give a rundown of kind of the basic way that the the game is played?
0: Sure, sure. Um, The game is played, well, first we have a couple of gameplays because we have some cards that uh, you need to get familiarized with and you need to know what the cards mean before you jump into the the actual game. So we start with Luck of the Draw, which is the first gameplay, where uh, players would shuffle the deck of cards and on each turn they would draw a card and whatever the card says, that's going to be their turn. Um, Then players would roll the dice. Uh, There's a die that tells you which piece to play. Uh, Players have a color set of pieces. There are three pieces. And uh, one of the dice tells you the, which troop or force to put on the uh, on the platform. And the other die tells you where you're going to play it. There are several zones or locations on the board where you have to play your piece on. So you would uh, roll the dice, and whatever the card said, you uh, you do that action. And it may be that you need to use chapsticks to play the piece on the board, which is pretty popular. <laughs> every time it comes out, people are just like, oh my god, we have to use chopsticks? I don't need Chinese. And uh, <laughs> uh, they have to spin it sometimes, so they have to play two pieces, like a totem, together. Or, you know, there are several challenges that you need to do that uh, that may get pretty difficult to play. And, uh, you know, gamers really enjoy the game. but um, uh, Well, I, I, I want to mention that there are two sides to the platform. Um, the platform has... A spaceship design on one side and if you want to play a different type of style of play you can turn it around it's pretty easy it'll be in the instructions how to do that and uh, you can play on in space and you have the, like the Sun or different planets that you place your pieces on um, mm-hmm. after you do several rounds of look of the draw where players draw the cards Usually, whenever all the cards are drawn and everybody can identify the card and what it means, you can jump into uh, Player's Choice, which is the, the actual game that we want people to play. In um, this gameplay, you receive a player card, which uh, represents a commander or a leader of an alien race, and you have a, uh, a special ability, and you can use that, that ability uh, to help yourself or hinder other players' turns, and make them lose on their turn. The way this gameplay works is that um, you would get several cards of which you choose some to play with uh, for your turn, and then you can use those challenges that you picked to uh, play them on other players. So you can force other players to play in the ways that you were going to do it before. So you can tell a player to, to uh, play their turn using chopsticks or while spinning it or while playing two pieces at a time and uh it can get pretty cutthroat with the uh <laughs> with some people some guys are pretty aggressive we just went to uh gen con and at gen con we have the most aggressive gamers that we've ever seen <laughs> in our events we have a, a limit of cards for your hand and they were just throwing them out there trying to get people to lose
1: so fast
0: it was <laughs> it got pretty intense
1: yeah it's uh you know, we played and I'm generally not a fan of dexterity games, but it, it is really fun. It is very unique. It's it's the kind of game that you definitely remember once you see it and certainly once you play it. Is Gravity Warfare your first game design? Um, what gave you the idea to to actually produce your own game?
0: Uh yes, it is our first game and game design. Uh the idea came from my dad, actually. I can't take credit for for the game idea. Uh, my dad actually made this, uh, it, he made the Generation Zero prototype of this game when we were young, uh, about 15, 16 years ago. And he's a master carpenter, and at the time he said he dreamt of the idea of the game and made it out of, uh, out of wood in the shop and then showed it to us. And we played it for a while. We would, we would play with rocks or other pieces of wood and it would have a, a very big die with colors on them. And the platform would have colors on them, just like the game today, but very robust. And uh, we would roll die and play, you know, little rocks on it. And it would fall and then it would balance. It was, it was exciting at the time. And um, it just went away. I remember I didn't see it anymore for a long time. And uh, just recently, my dad brought it to the house. And I was like, oh my god, look at the game. I remember that. So we, we started playing it, and I remember and what it was, and it was pretty fun. And even today, I was with the, that prototype that was so um, old and robust. It was pretty small, too. Uh, we, we started playing in my kitchen and playing with the little things. And I like, well, this is a pretty good game. It's, it's more fun <laughs> than I remember, actually. So we, uh, we're avid, uh, board gamers. I've been playing board games my whole life, uh, with my brothers, cousins, you know, whomever. And, um, I just said, let's make it a game. Let's just, uh, try to develop it and to make get some rules out and see where we go from here. And it has been, uh, a long, bumpy road, but we, <laughs> we got a, <laughs> we got a final product or almost final, some polishing touches. But, uh, we have a pretty good game today.
1: Wow! Uh, so you said that the idea came to your dad in a dream. That's what he says. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's what he says. But, uh, but yeah, it, was, it was based on the idea of the, uh, of the, um, uh, the, the bird, the eagle that balances. And it was, hmm. it was pretty, um, pretty difficult to get all the, all the uh, kinks worked out. But, uh. We got to a stage where we feel comfortable saying that it's a it's a pretty good game. Uh, we get nothing but good feedback. Some some of the uh, the the complaints are from the the art or the early complaints were the with the art and some of the stuff. But uh, some people uh, can't get past the fact that it's a prototype or we're we're still testing it out and and it's still a prototype. So nothing. Hmm. From then on, it's been pretty good, uh, especially at Gen Con. We got really good feedback in Gen Con, a lot of attention from uh, other publishers. Um, you know, pretty pretty good. We're, we're really happy with what we have.
1: Yeah, that's amazing that, that this game sat around for years and it's been around for so long, and you kind of stumbled upon it again, and then it has become this pretty big project and the prototype is is definitely playable and it's really cool that it came from literally a, a dream years ago and then now it's a, a physical thing that people can can play with and you guys are working some angles to get it produced uh, pretty soon yeah yeah
0: uh, i still can't go get over the fact that my dad had he put it under the bed and it stayed at the house that I grew up in under his bed for 15 years. It was still wow. there in a little plastic bag. It kept all the little pieces and everything. It was incredible. But
1: yeah, Yeah. recently board games have had a little bit of a, a renaissance or uh, kind of a boom. So uh, now's now's a pretty good time to be in the board game industry. So maybe it kind of worked out.
0: Yeah, that's one of the reasons why we, uh, you know, starting to talk about getting this commercialized and, and developing the game. We found out that since two thousand fifteen, just about when we were building the uh, business plan for the company, uh, we found a lot of articles written from two thousand fourteen till now that uh, the gaming industry was uh, growing at a rate of about twenty to thirty percent each year, and it should keep growing mm-hmm. faster as the years come, and. You know, I guess uh, my, my educated guess is that um, all the people that grew up with board games I didn't grow up with video games I grew up with board games and um, I guess all the people that used to like playing board games will want to get that feeling back of what how fun it was playing with friends and having people over uh, they're grown up now and they have money so <laughs> they can buy board <laughs> games uh, yeah for the For the game that it was uh, so well done, we actually uh, want to make it so that, um, you know, if you aim for perfection and you achieve greatness, even if you don't get to where you want to be, you'll have something good at the end. And we don't want to make half-efforted prototypes where, Mm -hmm. you know, you just do whatever just try to get it out and see if people want to play it. The presentation is so much of a game that... Uh, It's important that every prototype that we make, not just for this game, but for all the following games we want them to look as close to the final product as we can and We actually did the game ourselves. We had some quotes made from some prototype companies and their quality wasn't promised to what we expect it to be and uh, We just didn't want to let that happen. So we wanted to make sure that it was a quality product that we would bring to playtesters and other gamers.
1: You mentioned that you had some, some difficulties along the way getting to this point. Uh, so what, what were some of those difficulties <laughs> in the process of making this game?
0: Well, it has been a, a road to take. Um, it takes a lot of your time. Mainly, the, uh, the most difficult part of this project was the patents. We had to uh, hire lawyers and and do the whole patent process. It was lengthy and, you know, trying to protect the idea and then the copyright of the game, being that it's, you know, it's getting so much attention and people saying, wow, I haven't really seen that before. It really builds up our confidence that this is pretty new or unique. And we're glad that we took those steps before we uh, brought it out to the public. But yes, the pen process is pretty difficult. For I think that's the most difficult we have for, for this game. But uh, not all games need a pen. Uh, all they need is a copyright. And I don't see other game designers that would just stick with a a board game with some dice and cards and an idea uh, would um, have the same uh, problems we have. Hmm.
1: Yeah, most most games. Uh... It's it's nearly impossible to patent uh, things like game designs and and stuff like. So maybe I don't know if we want to go super in depth on it, but what part is is actually patented and what's unique about the design?
0: The way it works, um, the way we balance, the way that we make the board balance on the pivot point, and then the way it. It just stays that way even if you tilt it, bump it, spin it, or hit it, at least the board will never fall. As long as you treat it uh, decently, uh, you can put it to the maximum tilt and spin it or do whatever and the board will just go back to the center of gravity. Um, What's unique about it is the uh, adjustable uh, pivot point assembly. That's what it's called, the patent. Boards are pretty difficult to balance. In the way that we did it and um, any issue with weight distribution in the wings or any part of that board that's just a little off even a half a gram off on one side it will tilt the board on a, on that side it was a pretty good idea from my dad's part because he, he came up with it I didn't come up with it uh, that was one of the issues we were having with the board that you know if we make this the C-shaped board and then we set it on a on a pivot point. You know, it would keep falling. That was one of the issues that we had uh, playing the first prototype. Because when we when he brought it, we we played it and played it so many times, trying to get ideas on how to make this better and how to make it a game that other people would really want to play. And the setup part where you would put the pieces on and it will fall, much like um, other games out there that you set up the platform and it does balance. But as you interact with the board, it would fall and the pieces would fall. And then it's a reassembly where you have to put it all back together, trying to get it balanced on the right spot. It'll take you know anywhere from a minute to three minutes. And um, it, w- I wanted to keep playing. I would say, well, I, I, I want to keep playing. I don't want to keep redoing this. I, I really didn't like it. And I don't like games that are like that, where uh, you play and you have to wait for somebody to try to set it up correctly. And I just wanted to go again. And um Doing the first, the early prototypes, I found out that that weight distribution is so key, and manufacturers cannot um, promise that it will be perfect every time because that's what we need. we need it to be perfect in order for it to be balanced correctly on the pivot point. Otherwise, if there's even a little gram of plastic more on one corner, then the ball would just tilt, and it would it would be very visible tilt. Uh, the the pieces are nothing but a gram, a gram and a half, and two grams. And um, any little weight would make the board shift. And uh, he came up with the idea to uh, adjust that pivot point and compensate for that weight distribution. And so now we have a product that it doesn't matter if the manufacturer is off 10 grams or a kilo. <laughs> it'll you can shift the pivot point to that imperfection and then find the correct uh, balancing for the game. So I think that's that's what makes, mostly that's what makes the game unique, that it doesn't matter how you um, set up the board or if it's just not right from the manufacturing, it'll always be balanced, or you can always get it balanced.
1: You already mentioned that the, the reaction to the game has been positive, has generally been positive, uh, that's definitely been my experience. Uh, maybe you can go into a little bit more detail about that. What do people point to when they talk about them liking the game? What is it about the game that they like?
0: Well, mostly at this point where we have this uh, almost final product, except for a few changes or minor changes, uh, people really like the way that the board balances on the on the pivot And they're just amazed uh, at this thing when it just spins around and you can hit it and the fact that the pieces almost look like they're sticking to the board and you can find it it took us a while to figure out uh, what materials to use and how to set it up so that we get the most angle possible for the board without the pieces falling because at the beginning Mm -hmm. the pieces would just slide off even if you put a little bit of tilt they just slid off so it, it took us some some time to find the correct materials to get the most playability of the game um, the people are real amazed as I'm going through a, a demo and I'm explaining to people how the game works and I and I just get them started with just the basics and I just go along and, and every time a, a new card comes up something that's you know not normal I'll, I'll explain it well just how it works and uh I would wait for the right moment to where one of the challenges come up, which is stack it or hitch a ride, uh, where they have to put a piece on top of another. And I explain, well, if you see the pieces are notched so that they can fit together, and they're like, oh, really? They do, and they do, and they just grab all the pieces, and do they all fit? And I just tell them, yeah, they all fit except for those two because they don't fit. But all of them, pretty, uh, all of them are really design in a way that you can fit them together and you can play some of the challenges that are in the game and they really like that as well Hmm. Um, aside from a few most people really like the art the art is original Um, our our artist which is my sister in Spain um, she's doing all of the art and people really like the uh, what, what the cars look like and and that they're not just conventional like all these other games, but they're they look hand-drawn or hand-painted.
1: So. So, so the design and the art, uh, that's, it's, that's all within, uh, within your family, so it's kind of a family project?
0: It is. It is a family project. Um, my dad, he, uh, he was a carpenter uh, back home, and we had a business where he would build uh, furniture, closets, um, doors for you know, all kinds of things. Uh, puzzles puzzles, and toys for kids. Uh, one of the most popular ones was a, uh, a kitchen for kids. One of those like uh, um, Toys R Us or whatnot, little kitchen, toy kitchen. We made mm-hmm. a lot of those. He wanted to make it out of wood and the board right now is made out of wood. We're uh, working on a deluxe version, which is uh, uh, made out of wood, and by him. So there oh, will be no uh, no plastic pieces. Everything will be wood. And um, I have a degree in business administration, so I was the one that would uh, take the red tape and do all the documents and and work on the uh, the things that nobody really wants to deal with.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> my brother, he's a 3D graphic designer. He was in Paris up until recently, but he's now in Spain also. And he's doing most of the 3D design, the the board, the pieces, the, the way the rule book, you know, all of that design, which is invaluable. He's been a, my brother and sister, they've been key to uh, to getting this game going. Um, the rest of my siblings, which uh, I'm one of six, by the way, uh, the rest of them are given their input. Uh, to the game and uh, m- helped in making the game what it is today
1: well that's really cool you mentioned back home where are you from originally
0: uh, i'm originally from venezuela <laughs> i didn't realize i said <laughs> back home <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah we're from well, venezuela cool. um i was born in the states and uh, we're in south carolina right now and um we all uh, travel to different countries in the world. Uh, my brother, he's in Paris. He has a Venezuelan food truck called Ajidulce, and <laughs> apparently French people really love Venezuelan food. He's he's making it out there. It's pretty good. And um, my sister, uh, she's in Australia. I have another brother who was in Hungary, but he also moved to Spain with my other brother and my other sister. And I am here in the
1: States. Do I remember right that, well, for my listeners, I was introduced to, to Dan and Gravity Warfare through my wife. Uh, she met them at a convention and has uh, really fell in love with the game and actually went and hang, hung out with you guys at Gen Con. So that was kind of neat. So do I remember right that she said that, that you were in the Armed Forces? Uh, I was.
0: <laughs> I'm a six-year veteran of the Navy, US Navy. I was a oh, wow. mineman for a few years. And, um, but yeah, it was a fun, a fun, full of experience, uh, venture. I don't regret really hmm. it one bit. But, um, I thought that, uh, I wanted to do more things and, uh, decided to get out of the Navy honorably. And uh, I started my own business in real estate. I got a uh, couple of properties here in South Carolina, which I was renting out, being a property manager. And mm-hmm. um, after some time, I decided to get out of that. And coincidentally, it was around the time where my dad had brought the, uh, brought the game back to us. And um, I sold off uh, one of the properties um, got rid of that business, and we're uh, nose deep into into this venture.
1: Oh wow, that's incredible that you have uh you have family all around the world. I've uh, <laughs> never heard of a family quite like that.
0: Yeah. we all we all took different paths, but uh, you know, it, it was funny. Right, this is off topic, but um, I remember people would see me like on Christmas time or. or some of the major holidays, or so even birthdays, uh, I would go, especially in Christmas, I would go back to the house because I had to be at the house because we would Skype and we, I would have about three or four Christmases or New Year's Eve. And I would, I would chant down uh, New Year's three or four times on my computer because, you know, it's time zones. So I would celebrate <laughs> all these New Year's with my brothers and sisters.
1: Wow, that's amazing. So let's talk about, I guess, the Kickstarter. That's coming up soon. This episode will probably air sometime near when the Kickstarter starts. So how are you feeling about that?
0: The Kickstarter has been a challenging um, experience. Uh, we didn't think mm-hmm. it would be this difficult to do the Kickstarter. Doing a Kickstarter is not hard. You can just set up a, a campaign and launch it and hope for the best. But to have... A, uh, a truly successful campaign where you have a fan base and building that fan base, uh, getting some followers, people interested in the game, and mainly just getting the word out there that your game exists. Because no, almost, other than one person, that I don't think it was his type of game, he just wasn't really uh, uh, close-minded into what games he liked and what games he, w- he would only play. He ended up on our table and, um, he really didn't have anything good to say. <laughs> the only person. <laughs> but everybody, we've playtested it in South Carolina, Pennsylvania, uh, Orlando, Indianapolis, the Gen Con, Dice Tower, uh, San Diego, in California. So everybody liked the game, had nothing bad to say. And, um, the, the Kickstarter and building that fan base, um, we really want to gather as much as we can. And being that we only everything that we're getting is a good feedback, we we're thinking that the game or the campaign should be successful. It's just that people don't know that it exists yet. I mean, pe- there are mm-hmm. backers out there which need to find them and let them know that this game is here for them. Um, mm-hmm. That's what's challenging. Finding the people, finding the true followers that would back you up uh, before the campaign starts, that's that's a challenge the marketing side um, Reaching out to people clients It's it's really challenging Because we do have right now. We have a Kickstarter campaign uh, Pretty much ready to click launch just a little touch up here and there But you know, we do have some fans. We don't think there um, that we have enough coverage to really be successful, we need to be successful in the first day, first first 12 hours, we need to be successful. And that's key hmm. for given the what we've been told from experience from other designers and other publishers, um, how it needs to go and the way that Kickstarter works with the most backed campaigns or when they're being backed um, enough. You know, they, they feature you on their site or you show up you show up more on the site and well it brings you more backers, people that traffic the Kickstarter site. So that's that's key and that's what we're working on right now.
1: I definitely definitely understand the visibility problem. The flip side of board gaming being kind of hot right now is that there are a lot of people out there making board games, doing board game Kickstarters. Um if I remember right game kickstarters actually bring in more money than any other category <laughs> um and so so the Stop expectations her. are high there's and actually I don't know if Angie told you this, but uh before I started doing the podcast in earnest, I worked for about a year uh developing a board game or a board game company so uh, I definitely understand that it's it's definitely one of those things that seems easy but actually pulling it off is, is definitely another story in particular in terms of getting your name out there every podcaster knows that that struggle for for their podcast as well
0: right yeah I mean it's not just making a game and and being a millionaire that's definitely not how it works um, being a game designer if that's what you um, want to do and just design games that that's definitely an option that's out there a lot of people just design a game, make a, a, a good-looking prototype, and they bring it out. They're hoping to get publishers to buy them or, or license them out or what have you. Um, but mm-hmm. having a company where uh, you want to take care of those things instead um, is, a, is a challenge. We have to um, meet with manufacturers, meet with distributors, fulfillment houses, um, the customs agents. So we have everything from the manufacturer whenever the first plastic is melted in China to where uh, you're opening up the box in your house. So mm. that getting all that, all those gears lined up and making the machine run pretty smoothly.
1: That's, that's where the challenge is. Mm. All right. How can, how can listeners find out more about, about gravity warfare what? Uh, where can they find you on social media?
0: You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, our username is at underscore gravity warfare. Uh, yeah, we were a little late getting that username. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, on Facebook, we're at Gravity Warfare, and um, we're pretty much on there uh, every day. while we try to post pictures uh, every day or every other day. Uh, posting um, pictures of new projects or um, The new prototypes coming up or you know, just try to try to stay engaged with the community that follows us Uh, It's important for us. Um, Another site that you can go is our website uh, www.gravitywarfare.com and if you want to get updates and receive notifications for when our Kickstarter is going to start uh, release dates, retail dates, as well as other projects and other games that we have coming up, um, that's a good way to go and uh, join our mailing list.
1: All right, awesome. And I'll have links to all of that in the podcast show notes. Also, um, we're on BoardGameGeek. We have an
0: article or, or, a, or a page for the game. If you go on BoardGameGeek.com and you type in Gravity Warfare, you can see, read up all about our game. We have a, a lengthy description of the game some pictures of the box, the components, and um, you know everything you want to know about the game is there.
1: Very cool. Thanks, Dan, for coming on the show and talking about Gravity Warfare. Hey, thanks, Chess, for having me. I hope you enjoyed this interview. On to Season 2 updates. I'm not setting a date in stone for Season 2 yet, but I will announce how Season 2 is going to be a little different. In Season 1, my goal was to get the broadest possible picture of how games influence people. I wanted to surprise listeners with all of the different areas of life that games could touch. And I think that was accomplished fairly well. In season two, I want to dive deeper into the ways that video games influence the real world. To that end, I am focusing on three areas. Games and mental health, games and education, and games and social good. I'm going to do seven episodes on each of those topics, allowing us to get some serious conversation going about how video games are shaking up the world in these key areas. I'm eager to see where this new approach will take us in Season 2. That's it for this Intelligence Boost. Thanks for listening.
0: Sonic Universe.